welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Good to have you here today. You've been welcomed. You've had every, every QR code shown to you available to mankind. I didn't even know what QR code. I had, I had a, a, a tech friend try to explain to me QR codes about four or five years ago. He was ahead of his time, there's no doubt about it. I was just like, sure, man. Isn't that what websites are for? But anyway, good times. Are you good? If you're not, that's okay too, right? And um, yeah, God is good. In the midst of our crazy world, God's a good God. And don't you know, we go through a lot of stuff, don't we? Things happen. And I love that tag that we were just singing. There's power in the cross. Because at the end of the day, everything that we do, um, the, the, we want the church to be known not for the personalities within the church. We want the church to be known for the person of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? A big one. Because we, we want, we, 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 um, we need to uh, put our foot down when it comes to building a brand and be a people that are committed to lifting up the name of Jesus. It's just all about Him. And uh, it's, it's all about the power that's in the cross. Nothing wrong with church names and all those sorts of things. Don't get me wrong. We've got one. We've got orange signs. You know, it is what it is. But that should never, um, you know, I, I hope for the next 10, 20, 30 years in the context of Christianity that people are less worried about what church they go to. Like be committed to a spiritual family, do all those sorts of things but just more committed to the fact that they just, man, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. Well, you're one of those people. Absolutely. He saved me. He set me free. I came from here. Now I'm here. Look at what the Lord has done. And that's Jesus. But anyway, I don't want to get too distracted. Let's pray. We're going to get into this message. Otherwise, my wife is going to be dancing past that glass screen because I have a timer up the back there of when I'm meant to finish. But to be honest with you, now you've all seen it, so you'll be looking sweet. We are eating in 28 minutes and 45, um, not really. Um, but um, the other week I went on a bit too long. It's the first time. Um, <laughs> first time that Sunday. Um, and uh, she was, Alicia's um, at the moment running our, our kids' ministry and um, she was basically doing cartwheels just in that, hello, 
Hello. Children are perishing. Um, Not really, something was happening. Let's pray. Father, we want to come before You today. You're such a good God. And we want to, um, we want to acknowledge Your goodness. And for some of us, that's hard because some of us, life sucks. For some of us, life's difficult. For some of us, the promotion didn't come or the job hasn't happened or the healing hasn't happened. But through it all, Father, whether mountain high or valley low, we thank You that we're covered. We thank You, Father, that You love us and that You have a good plan for us. And I just pray this morning, uh, this afternoon rather, I just pray that You would give us the strength and the insight to be able to understand what You're actually doing in our lives. I pray, Holy Spirit, that right now there would just come such a sense of Your presence, come such a sense of Your power. I pray that there would be conviction of sin in this place. I pray, Father, that there would be just an encouragement for those that are hopeless. I pray, Holy Spirit, that You would draw us into a a deeper transformative encounter with the living God today. And so as we come around these few moments in Your Word, I'm just asking Jesus, I'm asking that You would speak to our hearts, that You would change our lives and that Your presence would be made manifest in this place. It's all for Your glory. It's all for Your glory. So let the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, Holy Spirit, come and invade this place. In Jesus' mighty Name. Amen. Thanks, man. Amen. Amen. Well, if you've got your Bibles, I'd love to invite you to turn to the first book of Kings. First book of Kings, chapter number 18. And we're going to read from there in a moment. If you don't have a Bible, but you do have a smartphone. In fact, I noticed the Salvos have been so generous to leave some Bibles in the seats. And so um, if there's one handy... Um, feel free to use it. If not, if you've got a smartphone, you can either just Google 1 Kings 18 and it'll take you to some sort of Bible thing or an easier, potentially more convenient way is to download um, the Version app, which is a Bible app. There's plenty of Bible apps, but that one's pretty user-friendly. 1 Kings chapter 18 and we're going to read in just a moment from verse number 20. That was noisy. We've got, um, as, a, as a church family, as a church community, we've got some values that we really, um, that we, um, I, I suppose that we are attempting to live out and place as a priority. And, um, you know, we had the wonderful privilege this morning. Chip and I went down there this morning to, to be a part of our East Church in that's, um, that we're pioneering at the moment in Burwood, which is really exciting. And so we had a worship service there. Um, Matt Darima, he preached an incredible message this morning. It was actually really, really awesome. And um, But the truth is, is if you were to visit our East Church out in Burwood, you would notice that there are some similarities in what we do because Sunday worship is Sunday worship, right? But you'd also notice that um, if you kind of started digging a little bit deeper into the life of, of who we are at Empower in the North, you notice that, hey, there's, there might be a few different things. We have a thing here at, at, at this point in time. Well, not, we have this thing called eConnects, which is 
E stands for empower. And they're like our connect groups. They're like our small groups. And our small groups are a little bit out of the box compared to the traditional small group. We don't necessarily uh, meet fortnightly or um, we don't really have a model that's like, you know, there's a whole lot of different models out there, G12 and you have your 12 and that 12 have their 12 and then their 12 and it's like Amway, it's amazing. Um, but God, that's all good, that works in some cultures and it's excellent. And um, ours is slightly different. We want, um, and, and that leads me into this idea that we have some strong values. One of, one of the values that we have is a value of discipleship. And it's not just, um, we don't do discipleship in meetings. We are disciples participating in different avenues for discipleship. Does that make sense? And so sometimes that happens through, um, you know, on Monday night, I met with Prem and Ehab and Ehab was terrible. He organised the place for us to meet and it was that San Chiro's chocolate place. And I'm just looking for one thing as I'm trying to um, sculpt my body. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking for one thing on that menu that might be a little, why are you laughing about that anyway? That one, one thing that might be a little bit healthy and um, the closest that I could come to was a hot chocolate. <laughs> anyway, we, we, have, we have a culture of discipleship and, um, you know, we're, we're sitting and we're just, and iron sharpens iron in those moments, to be honest. And I hope that I was an encouragement to Ehab and to Prem. They were certainly an encouragement to me. My mind's been stirring since Monday night over a statement that Prem, as he was preaching to Ehab and I without even maybe realising, and he, he said this line, he said, it's not about what you wake up to, it's about what you wake up for. And this idea of living in purpose and my mind just is going a million miles an hour pretending I'm enjoying my hot chocolate, but really I'm just thinking, Holy Spirit, you're doing something, you're using words there. And so we, we have one of our values and one of the things that we're committed to is discipleship. We're really committed to this. We, we want you to understand that it's, um, it's a part of how Jesus, well, Jesus called us to be his disciples. You're not the disciple of a man. You're not Matt's disciples. These are my people. And no, you are followers of Jesus. We are devote, radical, radically devoted followers of Jesus. That's what it is to be a disciple. And so we have these values. Another one of our values is family. It's family. We are committed to family. Sarah mentioned before, without redoing the announcements, but that we've got a family service next week. Why are we as Empower doing things a little bit different on Sundays? Why? Because we have this value of family. I want, to, I want us as the adults in our church to really lead, a, lead the way and show our children and demonstrate to our children our devotion and our commitment. It's important that my kids don't just hear that dad's a pastor at a church, but they actually see him actually worshipping. I, I want my kid there that's saying, can I play on the Nintendo Switch there? Can I have your phone? Can I have this? No, we're in a time of worship and we're going to worship Jesus. Yeah, but can we play the Nintendo now? Um, I've got those kids too, don't worry. But we have a culture of family and we want to, in family, we want to have fun. In family, family 
is all, all about um, is yeah is all about that place of connection. Another one of our values. I'm just giving you these five ones. We've got family discipleship is prayer. Jesus said that my house, this isn't the message by the way, so Alicia will be out here in about three minutes. Um, uh, my house should be called a house of praise and worship. No. Did he say it should be called a house of preaching? No. He said it would be called a house of prayer. Prayer is like inhale, exhale. Prayer is a rhythm of life. The Apostle Paul instructed us to pray without ceasing. And if you treat Prayer as something, you know, we call them in our tradition of church, in the Pentecostal church, we call them prayer meetings. But if all we do is treat prayer as a time where we come together or have a prayer meeting, then we are going to miss having a prayer life. And there's this deep invitation, I believe, from the Lord that He's saying, I want you to participate in relationship with me through the vehicle of prayer. So prayer is one of those things. Another one of those things is mission, where we believe that we're all on mission, right? It's not so much about necessarily going on a missions trip, although those, those things are great, going to some part, unreached part of the earth, those things are great. But it's also about acknowledging that you and I are on mission and God has placed us in the specific place He wants us to be right now for a reason. And we are less uh, precious about a new vision more than we are we are certainly interested in participating in an ancient Jesus mission. And that ancient Jesus mission is loving God with all your heart and loving your neighbour, loving your neighbour, loving your neighbour with the same love that Jesus loved you, yeah? The last one we have is this value of Holy Spirit. You know, it would be, um, I recently finished a book a couple of weeks ago on the Holy Spirit and it was written to an American evangelical type of uh, audience, I suppose. And uh, the book was entitled um, something along the lines of, um, you know, the, the Forgotten Holy Spirit or something like that or Where is the Holy Spirit or something like that. And I just, the, the I like the author, so I thought I'd, I'd, I'd have a read of that. And um, as I was reading it, I was thinking, well, we are a very Holy Spirit orientated people, community. Um, our prayer times, we want to be led by the Spirit. Our worship times, we want to be led. We want to allow. We want to allow the Holy Spirit and I uh, to do what He wants to do. We we want we want to um, we want to allow the Spirit of God to do what He needs. We don't want to be limited by our traditions or religion or. Uh, necessarily our liturgy, which is like the form and the process and the plan. And whilst those things are important, they should be there to serve us, but they should never block what God wants to do. And so one of our values is Holy Spirit. And so today I want to spend a few moments talking about Holy Spirit. Have you noticed as well, and I try to do this and I'll probably absolutely butcher this later on, but my language, I don't necessarily talk about the Holy Spirit. I talk about Holy Spirit as a person. Uh, I don't think it's theologically incorrect to say the Holy Spirit, 
but I've gone out of my way in my own vocabulary to honour Holy Spirit as the third person of the Godhead. We don't say the Jesus, but we do say the Holy Spirit. And we must ensure that we do not relegate the Holy Spirit, there it is, we do not relegate Holy Spirit down to just God's force or God's power. No, it is actually God on the earth, Holy Spirit. And so today, as we look at uh, 1 Kings 18, I want us to... um, I want us to draw a few thoughts out of this. The title of my message today, I want you to jot this down, is the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Let's read from verse number 20. We've got a bit of reading to do. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal, follow Him. Just a quick pause and a slight recap. Uh, King Ahab has been influenced by a woman called Jezebel. And Jezebel is about as kind of antichrist as you can get. And what's happened in this time is... uh, Ahab and Jezebel have allowed, uh, have, have not just allowed, but they have encouraged the worship of Baal. And it, that's a thing where uh, even going back to one of the Ten Commandments, you shouldn't have any other God but me. There's something about our relationship with God that He wants all of our worship. And I think when you get to know who Jesus is, you realise that that's a pretty good deal for us. Because we could never out-worship how great He is. And so what's happened is, is the nation of Israel have been totally influenced and manipulated by... Uh, Ahab and Jezebel and now instead of worshipping Jehovah God, Yahweh, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of Moses that saw them come out of 400 years of captivity miraculously, they have been slowly but surely manipulated and their worship is now mixed. And so it's not that the Israelites are not practising in worshipping Yahweh in their own minds. It's not that they don't have this thing where we are God's people, as in Yahweh's people, but they certainly have this mixture of worship. See, Christianity is defined as a monotheistic religion. Mono meaning one. We have one God. We believe that one God was incarnate in the person called Jesus Christ. We don't believe that there are many ways to heaven. We believe that there is one way to heaven. We don't believe that there are five ways that you can find inner peace. We believe the only way that you can truly find peace is through the person of Jesus Christ Himself. We don't believe you can get to, to get to God through Muhammad. We don't believe that you can get to God through Buddha. We don't, but you don't hear preaching like this these days. People are just too, too PC, right? We don't believe that you can get to God through good works. We don't believe you get to God, you get to heaven 
and you're right before God just because you sit your butt in the in the uh, Salvation Army building on a Sunday afternoon at an Empower service. You don't get to heaven. You don't get to heaven. You aren't in right standing before God. You don't live in that way because of your good works. The only way which man can be saved is through Jesus Christ. And it happens through having a personal relationship with Him. And that comes about by the the Spirit of God opening your eyes to believe that He is the resurrected Lord, that death could not hold Him down. And it is my prayer in this moment that the Holy Spirit would start pulling on the, the strings of your heart pulling on something inside of you that would awaken a belief inside of you that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one that they prophesied about all those years ago. Here we are in 1 Kings in not a monotheistic space, but in a polytheistic space. Poly meaning many. They had many gods and this was a problem because it is not the way that God deserves to be worshipped. If we're honest with ourselves, I'm skipping ahead for the sake of time. If we're honest with ourselves, we must ask ourselves a very, uh, we must be really honest with ourselves in answering this question for ourselves. The way that I serve God, is it monotheistic or is it polytheistic? In other words, what are the things that fill my heart? Who is on the throne of your heart? Let's keep reading. That's the environment that that they find themselves in. And this story, which is like, could be a Hollywood blockbuster. It's a crazy story. That's why I want to read a lot. This story is the crescendo it is like the climax of the story. It's like the it's like Endgame in the Marvel saga. You know what I'm talking about. It's the big one, Thanos, all the rest of it, except Jezebel. Anyway, let's keep going. Um, but uh, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. So he's putting this challenge out to the Israelites. But if Baal, follow Him. Uh, can I point out as well that Ahab was an Israelite king? Okay, so as Ahab's an Israelite king that should have been serving the Lord but wasn't. Am I alone? Uh, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let us, therefore, let them give us two bulls. Let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under, under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Verse 24, then you call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. You've got a deal. This sounds amazing. Let's go. Verse 25 reads, Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it for uh, prepare it first, for you are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given to them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning till noon, saying, 
uh, from morning even till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leapt about the altar which they had made. And so it was, and it was so at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, crying aloud, for, uh, for he is a God, for he is a God, either he's meditating or he's busy. Another translation says maybe he's going to relieve himself. He's on a journey. I'm not even joking. I think it says that in the NIV or one of those, one, another translation. Or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried out aloud and cut themselves as was their custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. And when midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of the offering and evening sacrifice. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. And Elijah said to all the people, come near. And so the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seers of seed. And he put the wood, he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the altar and said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifices and on the wood. And then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And then he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar and he also filled the trench with water. You've got to remember this story comes in a time where it has not rained at the words of the prophet Elijah. It has not rained for three years. They are in a severe drought. And so what does Elijah do? Elijah gets the rarest commodity, the most precious thing to that society. And he doesn't just do it himself. That would have been too much work for one man to do in a short space of time. So he asks the Israelites to get the very thing that they're missing and pour it on the altar. Not once, not twice, not but three times. And it came to pass at the time, verse 36, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near. And said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, that that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. You might be thinking today, how on earth does this apply to the Holy Spirit? Without taking too much of your time today, whenever fire appears 
in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament, we know in Acts chapter 2, the Bible teaches us that when the Holy Spirit had come upon them, there were tongue, cloven tongues of fire that were seen on each of those that were there. Fire is something that is a metaphor. It's a picture for you and I today that when we see fire, Solomon prayed in the temple over the, over the altar and fire fell from heaven onto the altar. We also know the famous story of Moses just tending his father's sheep in the wilderness, right? He's just chilling out. And how does God appear? God appears as a fire, a burning, a, a, a bush that's burning, but the bush is not being consumed. He appears as a fire. He appears as a fire. And this is a picture today. This is the picture that I want to paint today. And the reason why I, I've entitled the message, The Lord, He is God, because I suppose the question that I want to ask is, is, um, is if we're saying that the fire is the Holy Spirit and the fire falls on the altar, I suppose the question that I want to ask you today, I want you to ask today, is does my Christianity need the Holy Spirit? Does my Christianity need the Holy Spirit? Now, I think, I think the answer is yes in so many ways. Absolutely. Of course, it is yes. And this isn't meant to be a, a heavy message that implies that if you don't have something weird going on in your life, you don't have the Holy Spirit. But this is simply a check in your heart of whether you're living in comfort first or Christianity first. Whether you've been seduced like the Israelites had into this place of, we just thought we were worshipping, this is what everyone does, this is how society is these days, or are you someone that's, um, or, are you, or are you in that zone of, because uh, there's three real groups of people or characters in this story. There's the prophets of Baal, there's 450 of them. There's Elijah, but then there's also all the Israelites. And I reckon we fit maybe in different seasons, we fill different shoes, right? Like I'm not saying you're the prophets of Baal, don't get me wrong. Maybe we're, we're kind of more Elijah and, and the Israelites, but I can just be really honest with you today that there are some times that my emotions and different parts of my life absolutely get the better of me. I can look back on the history of my walk with God and realise that I lived seasons of my life where I didn't really need the Holy Spirit to get through day by day. And so that's the very potent question. Does my life need the Holy Spirit? Does our Sunday service need the Holy Spirit? When we come into worship, is there this, uh, uh, is there this hunger and expectation and desire that, Lord, this is just a weird karaoke situation if we don't have the Holy Spirit? You know what I'm saying? Can I hear an amen? Who likes karaoke? Give me a wave. Right, we're going to pray for you later. Um, but this just becomes like this weird gathering of weird people singing a weird thing. 
doing, singing weird songs, looking weird to people that don't know what they're doing if we don't have the Holy Spirit? Does my business or in my place of employment, do I need the Holy Spirit? Am I positioning my life in such a way that God, I really need you to come through on this? Or are you living in the comfort lane of life where you're like, well, just let the Lord do what He needs to do. You know what I'm saying? When, when was the last time that I faced a circumstance or I positioned my life that required the Holy Spirit or it would be you fill in the blanks? There's been many times over our journey, Alicia and I, that we've put it all on the line. I remember when we moved here, we, um, we uh, are West Australian, don't judge, uh, we, we grew up in Western Australia and um, we went through, through a pretty tough time in a season of church that I was on staff and the pastor resigned. This is a long time ago. And we, I think in hindsight, looking back on it, we kind of, the easiest word to use is like we felt disorientated in that time. We loved the Lord. We wanted to keep serving Him, but we couldn't work out which way was up, which way was down. So we were just like, okay, this is weird. We had a, um, Ella was about one year, she's about nine months at the time. And um, so it was nearly, well, it was 14 years ago. Um, and we were um, just doing our thing, just saying, Lord, what's next? What's next? What's next? Have you been in one of those moments where you just prayed so much? You're just like, yeah, either I'm not listening, you're not talking. I'm not like, a sister, I'm not sure what's going on. And maybe sometimes it's both, right? And maybe it's sometimes there's so much junk blocking our ability to hear, right? And so we're in this moment and long story short, we ended up making a decision, a big decision to move to New Zealand. And we got, I got offered a job at a church over there and we thought, this is good. We ended up in Wellington and things were going well and... We, had, we, we owned a house when we were in Perth. We built a house. We just had this opportunity and we built a house and some really generous people helped us and made that possible for us. And um, we, we built a house. And so when we moved to New Zealand, we just kind of rented it out. And then, but when we came to Melbourne, we both felt one day, Alicia and I, that we've got to sell the house in, in Perth. And so we were like, all right, cool, let's sell it. A friend of ours was a real estate agent, so we asked him to sell it and he sold it. And within probably about three or four weeks, we had an offer on the house. We accepted that offer. Then obviously there's the settlement period. And in that time, we're just praying, Lord, what's next? What do we do? Do we invest? Do we do this? And one morning, so, um, you know, it was just such a God thing. We just, we just were talking and Alicia was like, well, what do you want to, what do you feel the Lord's putting in your heart to do with the money that, you know, the, that we made from selling the house. And I'm like, I'm not sure you really want to know. She's like, well, I'm not sure you want to know. <laughs> and when she says, says that, I'm like, yeah, that's, she's far more generous than I am. And um, she says, I think we should sow all of it into the church. And what the context is, is we had moved to Melbourne to be a, a part of a church not on staff at a church, just a part of a church from New Zealand, stayed in a friend's grandparents' house while they were caravanning, had 
we managed to find a rental, which was an adventure on its own. The house that we had, it was hilarious. It was prior to us, it was used for like a, um, they were using it for an Indian restaurant. And so um, you open up the bathroom cabinet sort of thing and it's like curry, you open up that. And I love curry, like let's go sort of thing. But um, it, was, it was just a fun, there's holes in the floor from when they had to run pipes for fridges and stuff like that. And we're just like, thank you, Lord. But when that's all you got, I didn't have a job. So it was what it was. And so here we are with pretty much nothing, with no family. And the Lord puts it in our heart to sow it all. Sow it all. And we're just thinking to ourselves, like, this isn't wise. <laughs> I'm not sure this is a smart thing to do. We've got two kids now and all the rest of it. And I'm not saying this as a brag. I'm saying this to say, like most of you have been to my home. We have a beautiful home now. We thank God for it. But most of you don't know the story of how we got there. Totally God's faithfulness. You know, we've got to be okay with putting everything on the line. Like money represents a lot, right? Because it's stability, it's all those sorts of things. I'm not talking about money. Don't go sell your house or sell anything as a result of this message today and give it to the church. We will not accept it. I'm not even joking. We will not accept it. You can give it somewhere else, give it to another church. I'm not, I'm not sharing this for that reason. I don't want you to be manipulated in that way. That is not the point. The point is, is does your life, are you actively positioning yourself to go, Lord, we need you to come through. Without you, Holy Spirit, I'm just not sure what's gonna happen. I'm not sure where we're gonna live. I'm not sure in the future and uh, with our plans of what we wanna do and what we wanna sow into, I'm not sure that we're gonna be able to provide in the way that we wanna provide for our children. Now we've got four of them, so I need an even bigger miracle. Come on, someone, you know, but I'm trying to invite you into this journey like Elijah. I want you to be Elijah in the story. I want you to shift from being the Israelites that get so blended with the culture that they live in and I want you to realise that you have an Elijah spirit on your life. That God's calling you to risk it all, whatever that means for you. And can I clarify, I'm not asking you to risk it all for the church. This is not about the church. This is about Him and you. But I feel I feel, the, I feel the presence of God on this Word today because preachers have been scared to speak to you about giving your whole life to Jesus because they don't want to get misinterpreted that they're trying to get you to give your money to the church because otherwise they're going to end up in some, on some on a current affair or something like that. But under the anointing of God today with the boldness that the Jesus deserves of us, I wanna tell you today that He is worthy of your all. And if it means selling homes and giving it to what God tells you to give it to, if it means quitting your job and, and going to work in some sort of mission, whatever it means, whatever that next step of availability is that the Lord is putting in your heart to take, I want to tell you today, that is where the Holy Spirit in His 
manifest power on the earth is going to work in your life. I think we can at times as well, um, I think we can at times kind of uh, connect with the prophets of Baal too. Can I be honest? Are you ready for this? Because I can see myself in the prophets of Baal. (laughs) In the context of we go to the flesh to stir something up to hope that God hears and answers by fire. We're the ones dancing around the altar. (laughs) Please, Lord, do this, do this, do, we need, noisy, noisy, loud, everything, rah, 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 rah. But I love Elijah's response. He just comes and prays. He positions himself and the circumstance in faith. Add water, done that. Add some more water, done that. Add a bit more water, done that. Now we're ready. In other words, it's in the impossibility and so the question of does, do, does your life or Christianity need the Holy Spirit, theologically speaking, yes, it does. But on a practical level, really what I'm asking you, it, it, uh, the question I'm asking you is around this idea of how are you positioning your life in faith for God to come through and move? Otherwise, we're just the ones that keep going through the process And we just keep going on that journey. And we just keep going on that religious journey of church life. Like, do the world, do your friends and family that don't know, this is heavy today, I apologise. It must be daylight savings. (laughs) Do your friends and family that don't know Jesus know that you're a devoted follower of Jesus? I believe it, Gavin. You know, it's a good question. It's a challenging question. Matt, does your neighbour, Damien, he's like Wilson, you know, from Tim the Tall Man Taylor, (laughs) except I do get to see his face. Sometimes Alicia just comes out when she hears us chatting. He's he's probably in his his late 50s. And, um, And we just chat and we just talk and talk and talk. Sometimes I'm meant to be out there doing some sort of handyman, doing the lawns or something like that. Two hours have gone by, where the heck? The grass is not cut. It's because I'm talking to Wilson, getting advice or whatever. But does Wilson know that Matt is a passionate follower of Jesus? Does, does, my, does, does the person I work with, do they, do they see it over Zoom? Like every angle... I reckon the response to our lives should be the Lord, He is God. See, it's not the church. Wow, I got really touched by the church. No, what happens in the story is God does something that's so beyond the church's ability that the world have to go, wow, the Lord, He is God. 
This is why we need to unapologetically shake the religion off, step out of the lukewarmness, bring our hearts before the Lord because we've got to be a church that are so full of His fire that when one lost person, one person that doesn't know Jesus walks in here or someone that's lukewarm or someone that just knows God through religious process comes into this place and they experience the tangible fire of God. And I want to be honest, I feel we've got a journey to go. So I'm preaching into our future right now saying, can we be the people that pursue God's presence above anything else? Above anything else, Cal, why don't you come up? I want to give you these three things. This is what it says. Elijah asks them, how long will you falter between two opinions? And I think that's a question for you and for me. How long are you and I going to kind of like vacillate both sides? How long are you going to falter? Choose this day whom you'll serve. The second thing that I want to point out out of this story today, amongst all the other stuff that I've said, is that Elijah, you're you're now Elijah, okay? And what does Elijah do? Elijah repairs the altar. He repairs the altar. And I believe that the Lord, and I want to share this prophetically with you today, I believe the Lord is inviting you as the church to repair the altar back in the earth. He's asking you to repair the altar. And as Elijah's, we must return to a faith that stops orientating around the program of church and orientates around the person of Jesus. We must have prayer that is equally about listening as it is about asking. We must have a faith that orientates, that revolves around Jesus and not religion. Our worship must cease to be about us and must be exclusively about Him. When we're not coming in, I hope they sing that song or this song or this song or whatever song or hope that person's leading. I hope Julie's leading this week. She's my favourite leader and I want her to lead and I want, you know, shout to the Lord and I want, that. would you bring that back next week? Um, um, you know, or whatever, whatever it is. I didn't feel anything in the worship today. That's because you're not meant to. Because we're not worshipping you. You know what I'm saying? I'm preaching to myself. Now God is so gracious that when His presence falls, something happens. We do feel the tangible presence of the Lord. How could you not when perfect beauty walks into the room? When the King of glory fills a place, something happens where the heart of mankind must bow in worship at the glory of who He is. Something powerful, something incredible happens, but 
Worship should never revolve around what I'm feeling. As a young worship leader for years, oh, I didn't really, feel, oh, I didn't, that didn't feel that good. That's because it wasn't about you, Matt. It was about Jesus. It was about honouring the King of all kings. It was about putting yourself in a space where you don't care what others think about you because you're not, they're, they're not your audience. The, the person that you're trying to worship is Jesus. We must have giving that must stop being about getting. We must, as we repair this altar, we've got to have a Christianity that's about the cross and not about comfort. It's about mission and less about our personal vision. And the last thing that I want to point out is that I want you to notice the order by which the fire falls. Check this out. This is it in verse, verse number 38. It says, Then the fire fell, fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. So what does it consume first? The sacrifice. Then the wood and the stones and the dust. And it even licked up the water that was in the trench. See, normally when you light a fire, even when the priest did, where does a fire? Where, where, the wood's on the bottom, right? And so you're lighting the fire and the fire, the fire burns the wood and the wood burns the sacrifice. Man can achieve that sort of fire, but this isn't the sort of fire that we want. We don't want a man-made fire that a good service, a good band, a pretty church, a nice happy clappy bunch of people can achieve. We want a fire that can only that all people can say about it is He is the Lord. We want a fire that comes down that works beyond what is humanly possible. We want a fire. We want to be a part of a community that God even moves at 3pm on a Sunday afternoon. Come on. We want the kind of God that, 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 and we want a, the kind of move of God that isn't dependent upon the conventions, the conveniences or the comforts of mankind. But we want to be the kind of people that say, Lord, the altar is ready for You. Would You come and do it? We, anyone can, any man can make a fire. We don't want the sort of man-made fire that always fizzles out. We want the kind of fire that falls from heaven, that marks Your life that you would never be the same again. We want you to experience, and I believe it's God's heart for you today, that you would experience the fire of God's presence in such a way that you would walk out of gatherings and, and, the, and out of that fire encounter with the presence of God and you will never be the same again. And I believe it's going to happen right now. So come on, stand to your feet. Come on, just lift your hands across this auditorium if you're comfortable in doing so and just begin to say, Jesus, I want Your fire. I want the fire that only You can bring. Come on, pray. Let's turn this into a, into a Holy Spirit prayer time. Oh, thank You, Lord. I want Your fire. 
not the man-made fire, God, not the fire that's just conjured up through the flesh. But Lord, I want the fire of Your presence. I want Your fire. I want Your presence, Jesus. When I'm asking for Your fire, Lord, I'm asking for Your presence. I'm asking for Your touch, Jesus. Come on, church, would you pray? Oh, thank You, Lord. I want Your fire. I want Your fire. I want Your fire. I want Your fire, Jesus. I want Your fire, Lord. I want Your fire, Jesus. I don't want church. I don't want religion. I don't want another podcast or a message. I don't want another conference, Jesus. All those things are good. But what I want to really experience is Your fire. I want to experience Your touch. I want to I invite You, Holy Spirit, to bring fire from heaven today. I want You to... I want fire, Jesus. We call upon Your fire. We call upon Your fire, Jesus. We call upon Your fire. And I pray in this moment, Jesus, that people would have encounters with You that would literally set their life on a new course. I pray that the call of God would fill someone's life for ministry right now. That You're speaking to people to be missionaries to nations, Lord. I'm praying Your fire would begin to fall. I pray, Father, right now for that pastor, that leader, that church volunteer that was burnt in one season and they thought they weren't worthy to carry your fire. I ask for fire from heaven to fall upon them right now. Fire of God to come upon them right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name. In the name of the Lord God. Oh, in the name of Jesus. The Lord. He is God. Come on, call upon the name of the Lord. If you're away from Him right now, if you're lukewarm in your heart right now, if you don't know Jesus but you want to know Him, you just need to call upon the name of Jesus. Come on, repent of your sins. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Say, Lord, turn my life around. I will. I love you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Rescue me, Jesus. I acknowledge that you died and rose again for me, Jesus. Oh, let your fire fall, Jesus. Let your fire fall, Jesus. Let your fire fall, Jesus. Let your fire fall. Let your fire fall upon us. Let your fire fall upon us in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You know, if you are away from God and you want to know this Lord that we speak about, this man Jesus, He loves you, friend. He's got a plan for your life. Maybe you know of Him. Maybe you're in a religious school or have religious parents or you've never made this decision yourself and you sense in your heart the Lord just saying He's speaking to you right now and while every head is bowed and eyes closed I want you to just lift your hand and say Matt that's me pray for me would you if that's you come on just lift it up high I'll just I just want to pray for you thanks so much I want to pray for you is there someone else set my heart thanks awesome love that your friends that brought you are going to reach out to you they're going to speak to you about it God loves you God loves you God loves you and in the very action of responding to Him today and taking that just being courageous and being open in that way 
See, it's in the heart we turn to the Lord. Our lives follow the heart. And so I feel the Lord, feel the Lord speaking, saying, I forgive you. You're my child, you're my daughter. Thank you, Lord. Father, we want to honour your presence. We want to honour your touch. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.